my entire life have been told, go to school, get good grades, get the job. And from the outside, you know, working at an agency in New York City, that's incredible. Um, but something just felt a little bit off for me. Looks like you've officially entered the group chat with your best friends. My name is Ali Paducci, and this is the Unfiltered Podcast, the place where we leave the heavily filtered world of social media to talk about anything and everything uncensored. From personal wellness to entrepreneurship, spirituality, sex, surviving breakups, and hilarious stories in between, join me as I navigate adulthood with real, unfiltered conversations. January 1st, 2021, first day of the month, first day of the year, and it's also my birthday. You might think that's exciting, but I literally spent all day on my couch, so there you have it. Um, But what is exciting is we have a very great episode that's coming out today, that is out, it's out right now, you're listening to it, and I feel like this episode, while it covers a lot of information, it really kind of skims the surface of it. So if you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed and you're like, oh, should I have questions? That's totally cool. Get in touch with me. Get in touch with the guests. So let me tell you who we're hanging out with this week. Meet Christina Galbato. She is a fucking powerhouse. She left the agency world in New York City, wasn't feeling very fulfilled. Influencer marketing was quite new at the time. She really tackled the space and was very successful at it kind of hit a roadblock a few years into her career again not feeling you know feeling like there was actually something more for her and now she's dedicating her time to helping coach other women on growing their online business through influencer marketing through blogging now let me tell you why this is so 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 important influencer marketing has already boomed I want to say it's booming it's already boomed but the thing about it is is that there is not a lot of resources little to none on how to properly enter the industry on how to build a community properly on how to build a business out of it and how you can enter the space in a very professional manner while coexisting in a creative industry and that's why I love what Christina is doing because she is actually taking the time to build that out. Christina has her own podcast. She has a couple of courses. She throws tips around on her Instagram. She has a mailing list that sends out information and resources all the time. She is such an industry leader for people to learn more about influencer marketing and growing their business. So without further ado, let's start this week's episode off featuring Christina Galbato. Hi. Hi. I'm so excited to be here. I feel like I just saw you. I know. I know. You're on my podcast. Everyone should go listen to that episode. It was great. I'm so excited. I actually listened to it. Um, the day you release it and it's actually one of my favorite recordings that I've ever that I've ever done I love it and I also think it helps when you like get along with the person that you're recording with because then the conversation just like flows and it's not like question answer question answer I know that annoying interview style (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah no we definitely had a good conversation well awesome I'm so excited to have you on today um we're going to start like pretending most of us haven't listened to that podcast where you and I jammed it out. <laughs> and I'm just going to, I'm going to have you tell everyone your story, uh, which is a really interesting one, um, going basically from nine to five to full-time travel blogger and then figuring out, okay, I'm going to have to pivot and have a completely different business model. So take yeah. it away. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll try to distill the last four years down into a couple <laughs> minutes, but um, yeah, I started my blog and Instagram, which was initially focused specifically on travel in 2016. I think my story kind of started out very similar to a lot of female entrepreneurs. I was very miserable in my nine to five, um, just kind of got like very bogged down by the monotony of my life and kind of just felt confused, right? Cause like kids get the job and from the outside, you know, working in an agency in New York city, that's incredible. Um, but something just felt a little bit off for me. So I started my blog and my Instagram as a way to just like do something that I was passionate about. I didn't know in 2016 that you could make money <laughs> as a blogger. Like I didn't realize that was a thing. Um, I just did it for fun because travel was something that my entire life I was obsessed with. Um, so then as I was kind of like growing my audience on Instagram and growing my blog, I started having conversations with like other bloggers and realizing like, oh, you can actually make money from this. Um, so I worked even harder, grew my audience, ended up quitting my job in February of 2017. So a little bit of less than a year after I started. Um, then the next few years, just to <laughs> uh, fast forward ahead, I was in a whirlwind of working with tourism boards and brands and hotels around the world, creating content for my Instagram, um, really in like that growth phase. Um, and then in 2018, I kind of started to not pivot, but really just add on another kind of like part of my business, which was online education, because I was finding that my audience was asking less of like, Hey, what are your travel tips for this destination? And more of like, mm -hmm. how can I do what you do? And so I created my first course called the Instagram bootcamp. It's now called the influencer bootcamp for legal reasons. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> which I could, yeah, I don't, yeah, whatever. So I changed the name um, to that. And that sounds really sketchy. I'll just explain what happened. Basically, I tried to file for a trademark. <laughs> yeah, I know. It sounds weird. Um, I tried to file for a trademark for the Instagram bootcamp, which was literally the dumbest thing I could have possibly done because then the Instagram legal team saw this like trademark request come through and they contacted me and they're like, you need to change the name. That was unfortunate, but Perfect. lesson learned for anybody out there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I created the influencer bootcamp and what I discovered from that is not only did I really, really enjoy helping other women like change their lives through creating businesses on social media, but I was really good at it. And I was getting a lot of results for the students, um, due to like my teaching style and, you know, just being strategic and detail oriented and stuff. So, um, I really enjoyed that side of the business and pretty much now have fully pivoted into it. I still love travel. Um, it will always be a part of my life, but I, um, love helping women, you know, build careers as influencers and bloggers. So I love that. Yes. So good. And there's so many, I'm <laughs> like, okay, I have so many questions of like where I want to, <laughs> where I want to start this. But I think one of the main things that I want to start by talking about today is I think we have a lot of people listening that either spend a decent amount of time on Instagram, like most of us do. And they have flooded feeds with probably a lot of influencer content. Um, but we also have probably a lot of influencers listening or, you know, travel bloggers in that space that are probably intrigued about how you got to travel the world and land these gigs. And mm -hmm. we touched on it pretty briefly in our, in our chat together, but I have mm -hmm. this really big pet peeve where people like a lot of influencers market, like their stuff as like traveling the world for free. 
Mm-hmm. And can we actually just talk about the work that went into like what actually goes into a travel campaign? Because mm-hmm. as an influencer, if you're listening, it's not, it sh- your pitch shouldn't be, hey, can I stay at your hotel for free to promote you? <laughs> yeah. 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 I think there's a lot of like that kind of like, uh, I don't know how, how to phrase this, but like free, freebie grabbing stuff in the influencer yeah, the world. Clickbait. Yeah, exactly. But what I would say with that is like with any industry, there's going to be bad apple. And a lot of those people that come into the industry and wanting to grow a community online for the wrong reasons, they just don't really last very long because it's hard work to grow a community and actually make money from Instagram working with brands. And so if you don't have that like why and that passion behind you, you're not going to make it very far because I, I mean, I never sugarcoat this. It's a hard industry to get into and to be successful in. Um, but yeah, on the travel side, like, um, so let me break down the like travel for free thing, because there's like nuances to that. And sometimes it can be pretty much true. And other times it isn't. So like like press trip versus you actually getting hired to like create some stuff. Yeah. I'll break down like the different types. So typically like if a brand is inviting you, if a hotel is inviting you or a tourism board is inviting you, that is when you're, you know, in quotes, traveling for free because they're paying for all of your expenses related to your travel. And oftentimes sometimes paying for um, the promotional content on top of that. So you're getting the free trip and you're getting paid for content for them, for their use and for promotion on your page. Um, The other side to it too, and this is why um, travel bloggers can travel so often is because you're able to, you know, decide, oh, I want to go to Turkey next week to get some content there and to, you know, provide value to my audience on the best ways to travel around Turkey or whatever. So you can book your flight there and then maybe pitch hotels and tour companies out there. So that way some of your expenses are covered. Um, But with all that said, you know, I think it's just important to, to, you know, know your why behind it. Like I said, like it's, I think people can really see between like, oh, I'm just, you know, getting all this free stuff and pretending like my life is amazing versus somebody that's actually very passionate and knowledgeable about travel. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think also that's yeah. a big difference between like a photographer or a creator versus like an influencer as well, mm-hmm. because you're actually putting in time and work and you're actually producing promotional assets for a lot mm-hmm. of those places that you're you're traveling to. Yeah, and I think there's also a lot of overlap too. And what I've seen, I think that can be frustrating on a professional photographer's end is that brands are using influencers for content creation. Um, and sometimes there is overlap between like a lot of my influencer friends that consider themselves influencers are also extremely talented photographers that have shot for, you know, Hyatt and the tourism board of Thailand and licensed images with them. So there is a lot of overlap between those kinds of things. And I think brands get excited by influencers that are talented content creators, because not only are they getting content created for them, but they're also getting exposure to an audience. Um, so, you know, it can get a little nuanced and I think there's frustrations on, on both ends with that kind of a thing. Totally. I feel like I, I definitely, I land in the middle between both because like, I also came from an agency. I think also when you come from the agency world, you have a, a very, depending on what kind of agency you're at, but you have a very good understanding of licensing fees, the process of like actually if a brand, if like one of your clients is like, okay, we have this campaign coming up or we're launching a brand or we're doing this website or whatever it is and we need 
X amount of images, you actually understand the process of like, who's shooting that campaign, what are their rates? And then once you actually land on the photographer, rates are so extensive because it then goes into like, okay, well, how big's the company? What's the usage? Where are they using the photos? How long are they using the photos? And it kind of goes into like the length of time where the photos are being used. And then like, are there models in that pic? Do they have their own, you know, licensing fees and agreements and yeah. contracts? And it's such an in-depth world. And I think people that come into the influencer marketing industry or photographers or models or people that have that knowledge, I think you kind of have a one up on everyone else because you now know your worth and how you can negotiate your contracts. And you also kind of like can see when brands, it's like, especially big brands, it's like, no, no, no. You and I both know what it costs to like actually hire um, photographers. So it just, I guess it's just this really crazy industry where you have people that have that experience and that knowledge. And then people that Mm -hmm. maybe get targeted with those ads that are like, be an influencer and here's how you can buy a hundred thousand followers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's always that side to it. But I think uh, one of the reasons why I created my course um, in, I think I first launched it in late 2017 or some 2018, something like that. Um, one, of the, one of the reasons why I created it is because there's so much like smoke and mirrors around the mm-hmm. influencer industry and people are so secretive about like what they charge and how they charge and all this stuff. And it's really important for me and my mission to, you know, make influencers understand the value of their work and how much to charge. And that there's all these factors that go into image licensing. And just because you're super excited about working with a hotel doesn't mean that you are giving them rights to use your images on billboards because that's like, uh, no. (laughs) Um, So I think like the more education and the more like honesty and transparency we have with this and the less we think of influencers as celebrities and you know just bullshit like that the the better the industry will be overall I think and it's it's really really needed because it's such a new part of digital marketing and I think we talked about it in our last convo maybe five years ago you were kind of starting to figure out oh shit I can actually like grow my platform, make money. It was just, it, it was what it was and we were all discovering it together. And that was really exciting. Mm-hmm. But now it's like an actual, it's an industry and a very yeah. unregulated industry for both creators yeah. and for brands that are involved. And, mm-hmm. you know, I do kind of stand firm on the side where it's like, if you're coming into any industry, it is up to you to figure out, okay, how do I operate professionally in order to be successful. But I do agree with you on the on your point where there's actually not a lot of resources for people to learn. It is so much smoke and mirrors of like, oh my God, I want to go to the Maldives or like, I want to get this YSL lipstick or like, how do yeah. I get that stuff? And it is exciting, but at the same time, mm-hmm. it is it is work. If you're a creator, you are always like, you're working. Yeah, definitely. So. And you talked about this a little bit earlier with like press trips and stuff like that. People don't realize the amount of work that goes into that, which is like another reason why you should lead with your why and what you're like, why you're doing this, why you want to have a community, Mm -hmm. why you want to provide value to your following, because it's a lot of work. It's not just like free travel, free (laughs) trip to lay on the beach and like be on your phone. These trips are very, very, very hard work um, and they're exhausting. And I think it's a lot of the reason why I personally, um, you know, I have friends that love content creation, love travel content creation, love being 
driving five hours to get one photo because they love creating content and photography that much. And I personally felt like a little bit of a disconnect with that um, over the last couple of years. And I think it's just important to like, listen to what your gut is telling you, even if it means Mm -hmm. transitioning into something else might, um, you know, might be difficult. Yeah. I think what a lot of people don't talk about is how overall, like this is under, this falls under the umbrella of marketing and you have traditional marketing Mm -hmm. and you have digital marketing and digital marketing is obviously a lot newer than traditional marketing. But if you think about what was happening 10, 15, 20 years ago, press trips were still a thing. You were just, you know, or like seeding product was still a thing. If you, if you were a brand, you were sending product out to magazines, hoping that someone yeah. would pick that up. If you were a yeah. tourism board or an airline, you were still hosting press trips, hoping that someone would write about it. And I think where right. I, I find that crossover when brands like send stuff, expecting a post, it's like, it's not mm-hmm. authentic for me to post about everything. Because A, Mm -hmm. I might have never even heard about this, let alone used it. Yeah. I don't feel comfortable posting it, but also like, that's not how seating stuff works. And going back to the press trips and people writing about it on magazines and how it would have happened and how it still does happen with traditional media, it is a work trip. It's never just like, you know, your itineraries are jam packed and they are fun for sure. They're fun, Mm -hmm. but they're exhausting Mm -hmm. and they have deliverables and they have a lot of of work that goes behind it. I think it would be such an amazing thing over the next couple of years. Like we've seen, you know, regulations come in where now we have to disclose when things are ads and, you know, there's a little bit of regulation coming in, but it would be nice to kind of have some sort of like standard set for like creators as well as brands Mm -hmm. to make it a nice like level playing field because at the beginning I really felt for brands I think because I was also on the brand side and I was managing a bunch of accounts I was also at an agency and I would have inboxes flooded of like hey can I have free product to promote you hey can I do this hey can I do that and I was like oh my god I was lucky because I could see that other side and I could it helped shape who I was because I was like I never want to be that and I, Mm -hmm. I think there was like this time where brands were like I hate influencers because this is really annoying And now you Mm -hmm. have influencers being like, I hate brands because all they want is free stuff. And it's like, we're doing the same thing to each other here. It would be so nice to just have more education, like with what you're doing, to have just an Mm -hmm. even playing field for both brands and influencers kind of coming into the space. Yeah, no, I completely agree. It's like, it, it really is in the scheme of things, totally new. So like the lack of education, you know, creates influencers not knowing what they're worth creates brands taking advantage creates influencers being annoying (laughs) this whole cycle so like and how I try to differentiate my teachings in my course is that being an influencer is not about getting free stuff and when Mm -hmm. people are in the Facebook group saying like hey like um is it okay if I uh you know, reach out to this brand. I only have a thousand followers. And we're like, why are you reaching out to this brand? And they're like, well, because I want like this thing for free and I want to blah, blah, blah. And we kind of like, that sounded very innocent, but sometimes we get worse posts yeah. than that. And, you know, we kind of shoot that down a little bit. And we're like, in my opinion, the beginning of, you know, growing your audience on Instagram is, a, is about growing your brand, creating your community, sharing what you like 
in an organic way, because oftentimes the best partnerships actually just come from organic promotion anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, And not even like thinking about monetization. If you are wanting to be an Instagram influencer or a blogger, because you're driven by money and profit and you want to be really wealthy, you are in the wrong industry because yeah. it's, it's one of those things. It just, it takes you a long time because growing a community and growing trust in that community, which is ultimately what will make you money takes a long time. Um, so if you're looking for like a quick buck, like go work on wall street, because this is not for you. <laughs> Creative industries are hard. And I, I never sugarcoat that, but when you're on the other side and you're passionate and you're excited about it, like there's literally nothing better because the possibilities are endless when you have an audience online. Totally. And ultimately that stuff comes through in your content. When your content is self-serving and you're like, oh, look what I got. And like, oh, I'm working with this brand. It's like, cool, show off. Like people, like, I think those days have kind of passed I think a lot of people are not really interested in seeing content like that. But on the other side, if you're building a community, and we talked about this on your episode, when you have your why and you understand why you exist and what community you're kind of you're you're trying to build, mm-hmm. everything that you build needs to be supportive of that. And when you start engaging with people authentically and building stuff around that that's when you get engagement. That's when you get people being like, oh, I wonder what this person actually uses for that. Maybe I should ask. Yeah, totally. And I I think, like you said, I think those days are over. I think people's bullshit meters on social media and when it comes to influencers and creators on social media are so high now that like, or low the meter, I don't know, whatever. People (laughs) don't have as much tolerance for bullshit as they used to have. Like I don't, the people I follow on social media, are authentic they are real and like I know those words are overused but like I connect to them because they're not putting like this filter over their entire life they're showing you know what they're they're going through they're talking about their experience as a human being and Mm -hmm. like being very authentic with their recommendations and so whenever they have you know brand collaborations I'm more than willing to help them out by you know using their code because I support them as a human being so I think the days of like picture perfect are just so over I think that's why youtubers have the most loyal insane followers yeah because it's it's wild like youtube's a culture I never really like dove into but I have friends or I see even other youtubers repost it's like oh watching so-and-so on my tv tonight I was like wow they really have the most insane followers but they're literally documenting their entire life and people are actually invested yeah. yeah it's that video aspect. And that's why I think stories are Mm -hmm. so, so important. Like anybody out there that's trying to grow their Instagram in any way, whether it's a personal brand or, you know, whatever it is, you need to be showing your face, like pretty much every day would be my recommendation because that's where people are going to connect with you, not on the filtered photos. Yeah. So there's a couple of ways we can, we've hit a fork in the road with this topic and I don't know which way to take it (laughs) because half of me is like, now that we're talking about pitching and growing and working with brands, like I, I want to talk to you about um, what it like some kind of tips to actually start pitching brands. But before we head into that, I actually want to talk, like go back to your story because you were traveling mm-hmm. one day and then you were just like, I'm not feeling it anymore. And I now want to pivot my business. So yeah. what was that transition like for you? Because you went from like solo entrepreneur and now you have mm-hmm. like, a team of 10 employees running a full-on business. Yeah. So I wouldn't say, um, actually, I do remember a pivotal moment and this is going to sound like literally the dumbest story in the world, but <laughs> we just 
everybody has a different experience. So um, I was, I think this was in 20, like late 2018, I had released my course by then, but I just remember this moment where I had been traveling constantly and I was in Thailand on a beach. This sounds so stupid and privileged, <laughs> but I was like, my friend and I, it had been raining the entire time. We were under an obligation to post for the hotel. And we had like four hours at the last like second on our last day to like get as many photos as we possibly could. And I don't really know. I think it was a buildup of like, you know, maybe my numbers on Instagram hurting, traveling so much, burning myself out, creating content. And I just like broke down crying in the middle of the shoot. And I had this like, just realization that I was not feeling fulfilled from like the content that I was creating. Um, I think it's really common, like, I mean, in any industry, but um, especially in like, you know, being an influencer to look at what other people are doing. And I had without realizing, put so much pressure on myself to create these picture perfect images. And I was so fucking burned out. Um, and so I don't know where I'm going with this story, but I just wanted to share that moment. <laughs> but with like, with the transition, I think it's been slow. And I feel like to be completely honest and like vulnerable with you, I have always felt like I have been trying to maintain both of them equally. Mm. And it's literally only been until recently where I've been like, I'm just going to lean into the online educator thing because by not fully leaning there, I'm holding myself back. I'm holding other people back by holding myself back. And I love that so much. Like I, I am, you know, just not feeling as enamored with the content creation side of things as I used to be. And I think that's okay. Like everybody changes niches eventually. Like you're going to one day be super passionate about being a travel blogger. And the next second, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, I love traveling. Like I want to switch to that. And it can, it can be it's a really terrifying overwhelming. transition. It is. I've done it. It's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. I've, you know, I've done it multiple times in like little ways. And it's really scary because you're like my audience, like is going to leave. They don't resonate mm -hmm. with this. Um, you can feel like pulled between different things that you're passionate about. Um, but yeah, for me, like just growing the online education side of things, um, was kind of what catapulted me into growing my business in terms of my team, um, different revenue streams and stuff like that. Um, and it's, you know, ultimately what I'm really passionate about and, have fully leaned into so <laughs> yeah but it's really nice when you actually it it's twofold it's terrifying because your travel side your content creation side that's an identity so when mm -hmm. that's been you for so long and then all of a sudden you're like holy shit that might not be me and I don't know what else is me it's yeah. really hard to trust or like take that leap of faith that it's going to be okay especially because I think I don't know if this is the case for you, but I think a lot of people actually have a, their main source of income on Instagram. So when it's, yeah. when it's like that for you at the time, you're just like, holy shit, what if I mm -hmm. am not at the agency anymore? What if I do this and this completely fails? And yeah. the other side of that is that when you actually figure out what your zone of genius is, you, the mm -hmm. more you realize that's the only, not the only way, but that's like the the most probable way you will be successful when you're just like, this is what I need to be doing. Yeah. But the jump from to that is so, so, so scary. Yeah, no, it is terrifying. And it's all about just like kind of figuring out like what brings you the most joy, what 
like that sense of alignment, you know, where you just Mm -hmm. feel like what you're doing is exactly right. And you are excited about it and you feel creative because you're excited about it. Um, And for me in this phase of life, it was this other thing. Um, You know, I still love travel, of course, but I think it's less of like, you know, making it my entire identity um, and really just helping other women create you know, a meaningful life for them by using social media in the ways that I have and the ways that I know work is what I'm the most excited about. That's amazing. And this was transition was how many years ago? Three, two, what year is it? I created 2020. My, how could I forget? It's been like, yeah, <laughs> how could you forget? Um, it's been like a very slow trend. Like I created my course at the end of 2017, the influencer bootcamp. Mm-hmm. And then I created my blogger bootcamp course last year. And then this year is the first year that I launched like a mastermind group coaching program. So it's been like a very slow transition. Like I said, I've always been trying to like straddle the influencer and the online educator identity. Um, mm-hmm. But ultimately, you know, anybody that has, you know, any size audience online, whether they're like a typical influencer type or not, is an influencer. So, you know, I guess I still am, but um, in terms of what I'm talking about, it's more on the social media entrepreneurship side. Yeah. And you change your niche. It took me, (laughs) when I grew my account, I literally only posted my photography. So I grew to 25,000 posting pictures that I was not in, or usually other people, Mm -hmm. other people were rarely in it because I just, wanted to be outside and take landscape photos the thought of actually taking pictures of people I was like you're ruining the photo get out and (laughs) I kind of started in that like it's funny because if you don't if you didn't know me back then and you see me now like my old partners were like Arcteryx backcountry like I was like full on I love it <laughs> outdoor influencer and now I'm sitting here in like a turtleneck glasses red lipstick and then Steve Jobs vibes but she and I remember kind of going through this phase where I'm like I'm getting a little bit older and, and lifestyle speaking to me a bit more and when I first made the transition into doing lifestyle blogging and working with Lux Hotels I was like oh shit this is nice but then I had an entire <laughs> like an entire community that was like we didn't really follow you to see pictures of your face with all due respect and there was that weird transition of now I have this community that's not really engaging and then I felt like I wasn't good enough and then I actually stayed in that for almost two years and it wasn't until a couple of months ago that I was like you're literally not traveling you have no connection to doing anything lifestyle And you have a full creative agency that you're running at the same time, you're a commercial photographer. Why are you holding on to this Instagram account that is literally serving you nothing or growing your business? And it, again, it was that really terrifying stuck to the identity, scared of failure. And then I was like, Mm -hmm. I'm not really making a lot of money on my Instagram right now because I'm not pitching lifestyle campaigns. Who cares? And ultimately I think the, the one of the things that we move away from as influencers is people are following you for you. Yeah. And we're in a, you know, we're in at that point of our lives where we change and we're growing up and mm-hmm. we, we change our mind and you're allowed to do that. I think mm-hmm. you just need to be okay with have that open door policy where it doesn't matter if people are leaving because when you're actually so in alignment with what you're doing, 
you're going to attract new people that will actually serve you a lot more than the ones you're trying to hold on to, even if that means losing five, 10,000 followers. Yeah. I literally love everything you just said. I, th- I think too, with transitioning, like one of the scariest things for people is losing followers. And oh, yeah. I posted about this the other day that like, and this is what I say to, to everybody that like, oh, I'm losing followers, like blah, blah, blah. And the thing is, when you see people unfollowing you, you have to realize that they were never going to engage in the first place. Mm-hmm. They were just going to hurt your engagement rate. They weren't going to buy from you. They weren't going to become clients. So you send them off with love and by posting the thing that you're excited about and that you're offering value in, you're going to attract the right audience for mm-hmm. you. So I, yeah, it's hard. It's a hard pill to swallow, but in the long-term, you know, strategy of things, it's yeah. better to lose followers and to have the right audience. Like the quality matters so much more than the quantity, no mm-hmm. matter who you are, an influencer, coach, whatever you are. Um, so, you know, that's something that like, it's easier said than done to have that realization to feel much at easier peace said. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, just feeling in alignment, like there's nothing better than that. There's nothing yeah. better. It's way more freeing because then you're actually married to the idea and your purpose and what you're creating. And you're not married to a very superficial metric. If you're a metrics driven and you're numbers driven, that's fine. But also like understand what that means and like change your metric. What's your engagement rate? What post performed well? What wasn't performing well? How can you pivot? Because yeah. if you are focused on that follower count and that is the only thing you're focused on, you're, you will stay stuck. like stuck. It will be par- paralyzing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a loser's game to focus on, on followers and just on those, like those metrics. Of course, it's important to like use your metrics to improve your content and, you know, understand what your audience wants and stuff. But, um, I think what we've kind of said overshadows that. Yeah. From my experience. Let's talk about why Instagram should not be your only source of income. Ooh, (laughs) you know, I love talking about this. Okay. Yeah. Instagram should not be your only source of income and it should not only be your only platform. Like I think if we've learned anything from, I mean, if you haven't learned it by now, but with TikTok, like disappearing or, you know, being on the verge of disappearing, I think a lot of people came to the realization that like, oh, I actually don't own a social media platform. I don't control it. Um, With Instagram, you know, they're probably not going to delete the app tomorrow, but if they did, how the fuck would you reach your people? Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm assuming I can swear on your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. How would you reach your people? They would be gone. You wouldn't be able to reach them anywhere else, but more realistically, if they change the algorithm, which they do, or, you know, make tweaks to the algorithm, how are you going to reach your people? You need somewhere else to put them. So my biggest recommendation for influencers is to have a blog and to have an email list because of those are literally the only two things that you can control. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's nothing, there's nothing else, of course, like have other social media platforms, but you need to get your audience off of social media and into somewhere that you can control. Um, and so that's been like a very big focus of my business over the last couple of years is really growing my email list and, um, having that interaction there as well. So that if a photo tanks, I'm not like losing my shit, which I definitely would have four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a big part too, of not putting so much emphasis on, on Instagram and on metrics and on those numbers is realizing that like my business is not only Instagram, like there's so much more to it. Um, And I think beyond just like the, you know, where your audience is, like you said, diversifying income is so important. So have the brand collaborations, but also think about 
any sort of like scalable revenue streams that you can have. So typically like scalable revenue is something that you would create and can sell infinitely. So a digital product, a template, presets, um, an online course, something like that, that is like very truly scalable. Of course you can diversify into like more freelancing type um, opportunities or um, coaching and things like that. But all of those things have a cap, right? So I always recommend that people think about like um, what sort of products that they can create. Uh, yeah, yeah. This is where you're gonna have people when you come into this community, it's like, who's gonna do the work and who's not gonna do the work and what the yeah. purpose is and like why you exist. Yeah. Because you can have a blog and you can have a MailChimp, <laughs> but like actually <laughs> driving people to sign up on your mailing list or like getting to your website and driving traffic is a whole other ball game. And it's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a a good point too, because everyone's like, oh, there's so many bloggers out there. Like, how will I stand out? There's a lot of bloggers, but there's not a lot of bloggers that know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So yeah, in my, in my course called the blogger bootcamp, that's all about like growing your blog and your email list. So what I would, I, I think, um, let me start with this in terms of like what to, do you want me to go into like tactical tips on like blogging? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Um, so I think the first thing that people need to realize about blogging is uh, there's a preconceived notion that a lot of new bloggers have that like it's an online diary and they're writing about what I did this week in New York. Um, you know, <laughs> you remember uh, live my, journal? <laughs> let's, I think people think of blogging as like live journaling of like my trip to Mexico who is searching on Google, my trip to Mexico, Christina's trip to Mexico, like no one, they're searching where to stay in Mexico. Um, They're searching for information that they need. So first of all, from an SEO perspective, you need to first and foremost, think of like, how can I help my readers, my potential readers? Um, And I really like the, uh, the website called key search you can kind of type in like mm-hmm. what sort of keywords you're looking to rank for i can't like it's so there's so much with seo to get into I but we'll do i love level. key search <laughs> yeah i love key search so it'll help you figure out like what keywords to plug into your blog post um it'll also tell you um what questions people are asking related to that topic so that you can be sure to answer them it will tell you what words to make sure you have in your blog post so i would definitely do that i would um take an online course, mine, maybe someone else's, whatever on Pinterest. Cause that's like a whole other beast. Um, but SEO, so traffic from Google and Pinterest are going to be like the top two ways that you're getting traffic to your blog. Um, organic social is by far for me, at least like very small percentage so of small. my overall blog traffic. So small. Mm-hmm. And people don't think about that because they're like, Oh, I don't have a social media following. I can't be a blogger. That's so not true. So not true. Um, you just need to have a good grasp on SEO and Pinterest. Um, and then in terms of your like growing your email list, you need to create some sort of freebie that's related to your overall niche that is super, super valuable that people can opt into on the website. So you're creating a journey from someone discovering you from Pinterest to coming over to your blog, reading the blog post, being like, oh, this is super valuable. Oh, cool. Here's this freebie that's related to the, you know, the topic that I'm interested in. Yeah. I even see some other people post like contests, like enter to win a free mm-hmm. phone call with me, put in your email, like enter to do this, oh, yeah. put in your email. And you're like, if you have, if you have an e-com platform, give me your email, 10% off your first order. Like think of how many freaking yeah. email lists you're on. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I'm aware. <laughs> I am aware. Yeah. When I created my <laughs> website a few years ago or did my email, my new domain, I was like, Oh, I love having this new email. No one's going to have it. 
And all of a sudden there's like 10,000 emails in my inbox. And I'm like, how did everyone get my email? And also who's selling my email address? <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. That's another thing too. Yeah. Oh the gosh. privacy stuff is like crazy. Um, yeah. yeah. While we're on that, please do not add anyone to your mailing list that did not subscribe themselves. Yep. Not yeah. allowed. I discovered no, no. <laughs> um, that there's like selling email lists. Yeah. Stuff going on. Like, yeah. What? Yeah, yeah it's crazy. Don't do that, people. Yeah, don't do that. Should don't go without that. saying, but apparently not. Apparently not. No. Uh, <laughs> let's circle back to some some ways that people. Let's say you're an influencer listening, and you're thinking you're at the point where you want to start pitching brands. We touched on this mm-hmm. earlier, but please, 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 do not message your brand saying hi. Can I have free product to promote you? <laughs> yeah. Let's not yeah, do that. Don't, don't do that. Um, yeah, <laughs> I guess my biggest piece of high level advice is to do the opposite of that, which is mm-hmm. to come from a place of value, um, first and foremost, as an influencer. And this is where people, I mean, this is where the cream rises from the crop. I don't know what I'm saying. The, the good like we're successful people rise from the crop. <laughs> I have said sayings that are like completely opposite what I'm trying to say like this entire time. Um, that's okay this is where like the successful people (laughs) rise away from everyone else is I don't even know what my original point was Um, this is what sets you apart yes this yeah yeah sets you (laughs) apart is being a business owner like you are a business you are not in the business of getting free stuff you're like you need to be networking creating relationships coming from a place of value you're a member of the media at the end of the day so mm-hmm. um my biggest piece of advice well i have a few but um pr agencies are super super important um as an influencer i think oftentimes even more important than like reaching out to um brands mm-hmm. specifically so what i would do is do your research on google and make a list of pr agencies that um that represent clients that kind of have the same audience and demographics as you. Um, so if you have a US-based audience, obviously, you know, Google, NYC travel PR firms or NYC fashion PR firms, whatever it is, um, and making an introduction to them, just introducing yourself, the content that you typically post, a little bit about the demographics of your audience. Um, say, you know, I, I noticed that you represent this client, this client, like a lot, I, this is like very not um, eloquent, but, you know, a lot of the clients you represent are, Uh, super in line with my brand. I would love to like jump on the phone or meet up for coffee um, to discuss like how we might work together if any future opportunities come up. Something like that. That is such a, that's like honestly one of the ultimate ways that so many people don't even think of or are overlooked because also it's a numbers game. Mm -hmm. One PR company that manages 50 brands, (laughs) message brand who has a flooded inbox of thousands of people asking for free shit yeah you need to stand out like make it sweet email make it a make it a short email (laughs) but make it like value packed and make it um easy for them to understand why you should be on their radar Mm -hmm. um and don't ask for free stuff no which leads me to point number two this also is just such a pain point for me when i'm on the brand side Okay, here's how this usually works. Hey, um, I love your stuff. I was wondering if you can send me some product for free so I can promote you. Okay. And then I read back. I just have a staple, like a template response. Hey, thanks so much for uh, 
thinking about us, please send your media kit and your proposal to my email address. Yeah. Yeah. Best response. Wait for it. What is a media kit? And I'm like, oh. no. This is why I'm saying we need more education on this stuff. Oh my God. I know. But also, can we just type that into Google <laughs> and not ask the brand? That's like my biggest pet peeve is people asking questions that I can find in the first page of Google. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this isn't I, like, I think there's a few things I've said on this podcast where it's like, if you've done this, you're not the only person that's done it, but you also need to realize no. you're in a space now where it's actually like aggravating to brands and it, it lowers the industry a little bit. And yeah. It just, it goes back to that concept of like, how can we be more professional entering an industry mm -hmm. so that there's actually mutual respect? Cause that shows that like, yeah. you don't really respect your work. And it also shows that you don't mm -hmm. really respect the brand. Yeah. So let's and talk nothing wrong. Yeah. Sorry. Go yeah. Ahead. I was, I just want to say there's nothing wrong with like, um, by saying like asking for free stuff, I don't want it to be like, you can't like pitch a brand for like a proposal or an idea you have. Yes. Like there's a difference between being like, oh, I really love your alcohol. Can you send me some for free versus like, hey, um, I have some really great ideas and how Aperol and I can partner for the winter. Here are some ideas that I have, like an Instagram yes. post with like a picnic spread, like by the city, you know, these types of posts like typically get really good engagement with my audience. Um, a reel showing like how I'm going to make my Aperol spritz, like breaking down ideas that are specific to the brands so that they know that you're actually being creative and thinking mm -hmm. about them specifically. Yes. So there's nothing wrong with like having, you know, an idea, but like by, by asking for free stuff, we're more talking about like, <laughs> you know, just when the message, a lack of like that. awareness. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. I think, <laughs> I think going in with an idea is one of the things that sets you apart when there's nothing wrong with the copy and place template message, but also spruce it up. Like, yeah, my template message I've been using for a couple of years now. And it works mm -hmm. really, really well because I'm not going to the brand to be like, hey, look at me. I'm actually going to the brand to inquire to say like, hey, this is who I am and what I do. Um, mm -hmm. I'm actually curious to know, like, do you guys actually ever do campaigns that look like A, B, C, D, E? These are some of the things yep. I specialize in. I'm not sure what your content calendar is looking like for the next few months, but who's the best person on your team to reach out to? I'd love to send them a proposal and a media kit. And if it's in alignment with you, like, then let's chat. That yeah. literally just shows the brand and it also leaves the ball in their court to be like, love what you're doing. Talk to this person or like, hey, Allie, thanks so much. Contact us at this time or we're not actually interested. But yeah, brands actually like it's really sad to say that those messages are so far and few in between that mm -hmm. when you actually send a message like that, you have you earn a lot of respect from the brand that might it might not be a no. It, it might just be like a not right now. Mm -hmm. exactly yeah. yeah and that's like the you know the best thing you can ask for obviously is for them to be like hell yes let's do this but yeah. the second best thing you can ask for is that you're on their radar you've networked yeah. you now are introduced to someone else that can you can work with in the future so I think like networking is one of the mm -hmm. one of the most important things I think as an influencer you really need to like put yourself out there um, a lot of people are like why I'm posting on Instagram consistently for the last like month. Like, why am I not getting brand collaborations? And I'm like, how much outreach are you doing? You can't expect to just post on Instagram and everyone's going to find you magically. And you no. know this, that like you, like when you're do like running a campaign for a brand, you have your list of influencers, right? Like, I don't know how much like outside research you do, but like, at least when I worked in PR, I, I wasn't my doing list. a ton of like, 
research, yeah. right. You have your list. So you need to get yourself on those lists. Mm-hmm. I love that. And media kits are like, they're a non-negotiable. If you're working in media, whether you're a blogger, whether you're an Instagram influencer, whatever, if you're looking to be in media, you need a media kit. And if you're not like graphic design, it's not your forte. There are templates out there. I all, I don't recommend just like taking a template and not customizing it. Definitely customize it to match your branding and make it look like your own. Hire someone to do your media kit for you that that's their specialty. But this media kit should break down who you are, what you do, what industries you work in, what your content and past examples of content look like, um, past mm-hmm. brands that you've worked with. It must include demographics and like analytics or statistics or like, you know, why someone should work with you. And then you can actually just put your service list. Some people put their rates on there. Some people don't to have room for negotiation. But I like Mm -hmm. to actually now I just put like a starting point of like, these are my starting point rates. And then depending on the brand, if I want to be flexible or not, or like the campaign, just say like, this is what I typically do based on past collabs. But I'm happy to like talk to you to see what you had in mind for this. And on that point, I think it's important whether you have a million followers or whether you have a thousand followers or 500 followers, always have a price. Mm -hmm. Never zero. Yeah, I would say too. I mean, I kind of on the media kit with like the rate end of things, I tend to be more on the side and I think it depends like if you're, you know, offering services like mm-hmm. social media or something like that to have starting point rates. But if you're an influencer sending your media kit to like a brand or something like that, sometimes I say to not put a rate on there because it can go either way. Like either a brand will get scared away by a number and be like, yeah. oh no, sorry. Yeah. Or you'll end up wanting to actually charge them more because they want like exclusivity or they want yeah. like image rights or stuff. Um, but yeah, everything you said is like perfect to include in a media kit. And I would say too, like if you're someone that has 10,000 followers and basically like play up your strengths, if you have 10,000 followers and you're feeling like, oh, but maybe I don't have a big enough audience to pitch to this brand, maybe content creation is your strength. So make sure you have like a whole dedicated section, like you said, with examples of the content that you've created. So, um, you know, whatever, whatever you are really good at or, um, whatever statistic you can show off, like you can use that, um, even if it looks a little bit different from other people. Yeah. And have that in mind as you're pitching brands. Cause I will tell you from like the brand side or a social media manager side, it is so, so, so hard to find quality user generated content that I actually mm-hmm. want to repost for my clients. There's no yeah. short, like shortage of us being tagged and stuff, but there's a very, very, there's a big shortage of that, like me not having enough quality images to repost that's up to brand mm-hmm. standards. So yeah, you, I call it UGC, it's user generated content. If you have the ability to shoot very quality UGC, that is worth a lot to a brand. And that's something yeah. that can even be a part of your pitch. And one of the things that I do when I'm pitching, I actually always pitch content first and like advertising and promoting second. Yeah. And that yeah, actually yeah. to the brand is like a lot more value than just being like, oh yeah, let's do like an ad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would definitely, um, like if there's any influencers or bloggers listening, don't think that like being paid for promote, promote promotion promotional content is like your only way to make money. Content mm-hmm. creation is like 
definitely mm-hmm. a great idea. And even when I first started out, I was doing um, like monthly content creation for brands. So that's another way to kind of like pitch a larger package is be like, yeah. um, I was doing it for a water bottle company and I would like cart these water bottles all over the world with me <laughs> um, to shoot for them. But I, it was like, it was reliable income. Cause mm-hmm. I think, especially when you're starting out as an influencer, those brand collaborations can be um, unpredictable. So um, that's a really good way to like, you know, pitch a package and yeah. get some consistent income coming in. Yeah. I think that this is such an in-depth topic that we could talk about for hours and hours and hours. Um, But hopefully I feel like we gave you a little bit of insight that actually sparked some like inspiration and like questions that you could take from this to be like, okay, now I actually have some starting points of some things that I might not be doing in my business that I can research a little bit more. And again, Christina Mm -hmm. has amazing courses that offer you a lot of value of how you can be growing your business and researching as much as you can and then deciding I actually am good at this and have the capacity to do this and want to learn more about it and I think I want to outsource the other things to get help to make that you know like to help me out with those missing pieces but if you are if you're listening and you you work in this industry I hope that you guys got a ton of at least like a starting point I know it's a lot where you're like Mm -hmm. oh shit I feel like we just skimmed the surface over all these topics and now people are going to be like frazzled of like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think we gave a lot of hopefully good information though. People are taking notes and stuff, hopefully. Yeah. And you can just keep listening to it because it's good for my downloads and you can just yeah. keep replaying the podcast. Rewind, um, replay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But before, before we head out um, and you let people know where they can contact you, let's do a quick recap. So what are three tips that you can give to people currently running their influencer marketing business or blogging business? Lead with value in every post that you upload. Think about like what your audience can take away from that post and that it's not just self-serving. Mm-hmm. Um, consistency is obviously really important. I wouldn't say that you need to be posting on Instagram every single day in, in the form of like a traditional post, but definitely a real those are really big now. That would be a huge piece of advice that I have for anybody that hasn't gotten on Reels yet. Get on Reels. Um, and I would say network. I feel like there's so many other tips, but <laughs> I'll just, those are like from my memory, what we talked about. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, bad question to finish with when I'm trying to wrap it up, but. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, Let me talk for 25 minutes. I know. What is the best way? Tell us actually what you're working on right now and the best way for people to connect with you. Yes. So um, I'm on Instagram at Christina Galbato and I have a ton of free trainings that you can find linked in my bio by a ton. I mean, two, I have one on blogging and I have one on Instagram. So you can head there for like any sort of like free content, get a little bit of a taste for my teaching style in the courses, the influencer bootcamp that's about Instagram and the blogger bootcamp is about blog and email list growth. Um, and yeah, I also have a podcast too. It's called Her Life by Design. Um, I'm talking about influencer marketing, blogging, creating a career online, being an ambitious female in general. Um, so I hope you guys will take a listen over there and say mm-hmm. hi to me on Instagram. I love that. Thank you so much for hanging with me today and answering a lot of in-depth questions. And um, I'll probably talk to you soon. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Thank you so much. Bye. <laughs> 
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Unfiltered with Allie. Just a friendly reminder that I have two episodes that drop every single week for you on Tuesdays and on Fridays. And if you like what you heard, please be sure to subscribe. And of course, leave me a review. I love hearing what you guys think of the episodes. Lastly, be sure to connect with me over on Instagram at at unfiltered with Allie. You'll be able to access a ton of extra content from each of the episodes, slide into my DMs, and you can find the link for my free online community. This is designed for inspiring badass women all around the world. I can't wait to chat with you next week. See you then.